You're not the new coach. Are you expecting somebody different? <laughs> Younger. Yes. Oh, sorry to disappoint you. Yeah, no, I must have misunderstood Cletus. You see, you said he was hiring someone who never coached high school before, so I I coach in college. Uh-huh. And I hear you're a new history and civics teacher as well? <laughs> That's part of the job, as I understand it. You have an experience teaching? <laughs> Tell me something. Am I being interviewed here? I thought I already had the job. Folks, welcome to the Man Cave Movie Review, the podcast that reviews the good, the bad, and the ugly of movies for men. This is episode 148, and today we're going to be talking about Hoosiers. This great and fantastic film stars Gene Hackman, Dennis Hopper, and Barbara Hershey. I am your host, Steve Michaels, and joining me is my very good and dear friend, Mark. How many times are we passing the bourbon, Slover? Ken, Jeff, tonight I want you to make four comments. Make four comments before you take a shot at Steve. Remember that. That's going to be hard for Jeff. Right. He just wants to go right for the jugular. Nice. Very well don't, done. Don't take the shots. Don't take the shots just yet. Four <laughs> times. All right. And uh, here's our other good and dear friend, Ken. Uh, don't shoot unless you're under the basket by yourself. Brony. Well, this this movie, I mean, I think it's a heavy movie. It, uh, it's certainly something I've been looking forward to doing. I'm ready to have four you know, highly qualified podcasters really dig into this and examine it. Well, maybe not four, more like three and a half. <laughs> Isn't one the equipment manager? And last and certainly not least, Jeff, God wants you on the podcast, Muncie. <laughs> Guys' interest just to have me all screwed up right now. <laughs> Hi, thanks for having me tonight. <laughs> it's it's because it's Thursday, isn't it? It is. It's because it's Thursday, and there you go, folks. We're doing the show a little bit early, and uh, uh, so we're, it's a school night. So we're all going to be on our best behavior. <clears throat> so anyway, guys. So, as I said, we're going to be doing Hoosiers, and we're doing this one because it is it is March, and March Madness is coming up, and, you know, Indiana's usually typically fielded some pretty good basketball teams, uh, you know, throughout the course of the, uh, the year, so we decided to do Hoosiers, and, uh, gosh, this is a 1986, uh, this came out, I just graduated high school, and I talked to some of the guys offline about this a little bit. I haven't seen this movie in probably about 15, almost 20 years, and forgot how good it was, it's, and we're going to get into that, but, um, oh, Christ, I completely lost my train of thought. You know why? Because she's not doing the thing. So, anyway, guys, we're not doing the normal uh, Man Cave movie intro because uh, we're doing this on a different day than we normally do, and and obviously I'm violating my wife's union rules, so we're in contract negotiations to... Uh, uh, to fix that, but <clears throat> basically the background of this movie is in Indiana, a coach with a checkered past and the uh, local drunk trained a small-town high school basketball team to become a top contender for the state championship. This is based off a true story, if I am not mistaken. 
it's not about the exact team or anything like that. Yeah, but it's, loosely based. Yeah, it's loosely based. So, you know, obviously what you're seeing here is not the, you know, exactly what happened back then. But it's um, basically it's inspired. And it's and even if it wasn't, it's still a damn good story. I mean, the, the story is just uh, it's, it's fantastic. It's inspirational. It's, uh, uh, you know, we'll get into the movie. So <clears throat> without further ado, Mark, you said you own this, right? Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I remember I saw it in the movie theater. You know, we're all Hoosiers. One of the things that struck me about the movie was, you know, this is really a labor of love. And I think I think this movie really captures the flavor of small-town Indiana, how much basketball meant to them and still means to people. But I, I think this movie has a very timeless quality about it, that it, it really captures that period of time and uh, what what – especially these small little agricultural towns, farm towns had to live for was, you know, their basketball. And um, especially back at that period of time when there were no divisional champions, it was winner take all who, whoever got to the top, it was going to be two teams. There were not five, a four, a three, a two, a state champions. This was, this was back in that day. So I think it really does tell a great sports story, kind of capture a moment in time. And it's also if you're if you're from Indiana, you love the little nods to the small towns, and then when you get to what is now called Hinkle Fieldhouse, which is the Butler yep. Fieldhouse in this movie, it's just really cool to see all those types of little nods to Indiana because it was filmed right in central and southern Indiana. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up, Mark, because this is one of those movies that I think you hit it right on the head. It, it really kind of captured, especially the period. And the, and the look. This is what pretty much central Indiana looks like. You, you pretty much get, um, now what would you say, Mark, maybe south of uh, Lowell, and it's and then you're, you're seeing that kind of look in Indiana. And then you get, um, you know, you get, to, you get about to Bloomington, and now you're in hill country. So, yeah. it's, it, it's, so the look that they got there, and I, I found a thing on the uh, IMDB page where they actually talked about the filming locations. And uh, actually, one of the filming locations is literally right up the street from me. So it's, it's going to be really interesting to, uh, to talk about that. But I don't want to take away anything from Jeff and, and Ken. So just, guys, jump in. What, what do you – Jeff, run away with it. Mark summed it up nicely. Uh, I remember, you know, I was, I, was uh, I think, in middle school when this movie came out. But this was – all the rave at that time um you know this this was a big thing and this was telling really kind of a legendary story here in indiana and you know it it is you know it's a story there's there's a lot of um there's a lot of changes they made to the actual story but basically it's it's david versus goliath is what it comes down to and and that's what was kind of the uh, that was that. That was Indiana basketball. It was, it was seldom. It, it, actually, this is only one of the first times small school had really defeated um, a bunch of bigger schools to win the state championship. But that's the that was the mystique of Indiana basketball. Was it was possible? Um, and there was, you know, there, you know, next to the argument about daylight savings time here in Indiana and Sunday beer sales, um, going to class <laughs> basketball may have been one of the most heated arguments the state has ever had. Yep. And and you can still get honest. beat down if you just go to a bar and say something like, I really favor class basketball. <laughs> you got a and, verbal beat down at least. 
an yep. argument will ensue. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's, it is, it is still to this day, just it, you know, it, this was, this was a political move because small schools wanted a chance to be able to have a trophy and big schools were like, yeah, you know what, this is, this is crazy. Um, and, and, but this story is the spirit of the story is very real. And that's what the movie is about is the spirit of the story. And it, um, it is, it is such a good movie. I mean, the pacing and tempo of this movie is, is, is great. Uh, there are some lull moments, just for character development. And, um, you know, aside from that, um, you know, it's, it's a story about a, uh, uh, about a basketball team that is, um, that is, uh, that is riding high. So it's a, it's a great, it's a great, great movie. Ken, what are your thoughts? Well, uh, I'm sort of with you guys. I mean, I can remember when this came out and it was getting, you know, locally it was getting a lot of hype because, you know, it was filmed here. And, you know, in Indiana, I think, uh, at one point, uh, a few years before this, they filmed Breaking Away, the bicycle race movie down in uh, Bloomington. And so this was, the, you know, being a local thing, this is the you know, next big thing, a lot of excitement about it. It's easy to say this is just a, you know, it's a basketball movie. It's, you know, it's a David and Goliath story. I mean, no, those are all true. Uh, but, you know, I think this has, actually has some kind of heavy themes. I mean, a whole big sub thing, sub theme in this movie is just redemption. Right. And it's also a interesting study of, you know, young men and their future, you know, young men working for, for the future and old men looking at the past. And it's also got a heavy dose of just tradition and community and for good and bad, what that means. And it, it is cool to me that this is set in the early 50s. It's, it's not, you know, rock and roll and Elvis playing in the background. This is Korean War era. Uh not that far out of the depression and they sort of, you know, th these, these places don't look like they're, you know, they're not impoverished, but they're not, you know, wealthy either. And finally, I'll just say, you know, a thing that I liked was, uh, you know, getting back to the fact that it's, it's filmed here is, you know, I, I've personally been in a number of the locations that they filmed in the, uh, the school that they filmed at was in Nineveh, Indiana. Mm -hmm. It was right next to the post office that my grandparents went to pick up their mail. I mean, I played around on that parking lot they parked on. Uh, the little gym that the team played at, that's the St. Phillips gym here on the east side of Indy where my dad played. That's where he went to school. He played basketball back right in the same era. And he also played basketball when we went to Butler at the Butler Fieldhouse. So, and, and, and I can say I shot some basketballs at the Butler Fieldhouse. It was empty, but I still shot basketballs. So it, it, to me, it's a, a, it's a very well-done movie. Uh, I'll also put in a plug that something I was noticing is the uh, – I thought the music was very good, very appropriate. And then when I went looking, I saw, well, it's Jerry Goldsmith. I mean, he's good at putting together movie scores. Yeah, we're definitely going to talk about the music. But, uh, Ken, I just wanted to uh, tag on to a comment that you made that – you know, in addition to being the David and Goliath theme, you know, it's it's a movie about redemption. And what's interesting about it is about the redemption of actually two people in this movie. Yes. And it's it's Gene Hackman and Dennis Hopper. Um, you know, they both are, you know, they both have demons that they're fighting. You know, Gene Hackman, uh, in, I don't, it's not like there's spoilers in this. So, I mean, but you had Gene Hackman who had a very troubled past as a, a college basketball coach. And I think Jeff, you and I actually talked about this a little bit. He, he might have been considered kind of like the Bobby Knight 
uh, of, mm-hmm. of the 50s because he basically got uh, booted out of the NCAA for, for punching a, 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 a player or one of his own players. And then he was basically banned. And uh, he really didn't do much in, the, you know, he, ba- he, well, he was in the Navy for 10 years. Uh, which meant he probably he was pretty much in the whole duration of the war because yeah, this is nineteen fifty. Yeah, yeah, timing. He would have gone right in at forty one and yeah. stayed till fifty one. Right. So he was he was there for the you know for the whole thing. So you know, and he ends up getting this job because evidently he was friends with the you know the principal at the school, and it's it's set in this town called Hickory, uh, and he's trying to recover from that because they even make a comment in there. He goes, "It's got to work this time." He goes, "Or otherwise, there's nothing for me," and. And, and you can see, you know, like the politics that are involved because, you know, like we said, you know, basketball in Indiana, uh, you know, particularly in your smaller towns or even in the, you know, in the big city, I mean, it's a big deal in this state. It's a big deal. And, and it was a real big deal here. I mean, to the point where, you know, they, you know, <laughs> when he was, when he was, you know, pra- you know, teaching them a different way of practicing, you know, it's like the town folk are there. It's like the only thing that they were missing were like their pitchforks and torches. Like, you know, what are you doing here? <laughs> you know, it, it was literally that kind of a scene. And yeah, I have to say, it's a good thing that the town of Hickory doesn't have a lot of crime because pretty much that let the sheriff just hang around constantly harassing the coach. Yeah. I mean, he was, yeah, and, and if he wasn't, uh, you know, Andy Griffith and the, uh, I mean, he wasn't carrying a gun or anything. He just, he knew he was the sheriff, but that was about it. But that was like his redemption. He needed to be redeemed. He had to be able to prove himself. He could, you know, I mean, he knew, I think he knew he was a good coach, but he had to be able to prove to himself that, you know, he's not going to go completely off the rails and like start taking people out. And then Dennis Hopper, who's, you know, he's the town drunk, but one of his boys is one of the, you know, better players on the team. And there's that interesting dynamic about, you know, you've got this kid who he's embarrassed of his father because, you know, Hopper, I mean, that that's some good acting there, guys, because I don't know if I could pull off that good of a drunk even when I am drunk. So, <laughs> I mean, that was some, that was some good stuff. But uh, you know, so he's trying to get redeemed, and he's kind of like this basketball expert. So, you know, a rede- and it, it is, is you know, you've got two running themes here. So, and that's what I think is really makes this movie special. Well, I think what really helps drive that, too, is you've got some very great, good, very good character actors and leading men in Gene Hackman and Dennis Hopper. But they just they they just have this presence and this stolid quality about them. And it really just plays out throughout the movie. Oh, yeah. Dennis Hopper's a mess, but he tries. He's trying real hard. He's he knows he's a mess and he's earnest and he knows he's one step away from going right back to being a mess again. And Gene Hackman is, too, in a different way. But they're just trying to keep, put their heads down. And and especially, I think Gene Hackman just carries this movie on his shoulders of just demonstrating somebody who he believes in the way he coaches and he is not going to deviate. And he's he's almost a zealot about it. And he's got this determination about him that is one of those hallmarks of Gene Hackman as an actor. He knows how to present someone who is just bulldog determined. And it really comes through in this movie and not in a, not in an overacting Al Pacino sort of way, just in this low key, solid approach that, that is really well done. I think in this movie. And another thing is he, he really, when he's, when he is um, acting as a coach, 
he has a, a, a very convincing persona about him. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's fun watching him play this role. Um, and Steve had an interesting insight that I hadn't really considered about, um, um, Gene Hackman before that I thought, you know, he does have a signature move and Steve, you want to mention what that is? Oh, his, his laugh or his chuckle. Yeah. 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 It, it's almost, yeah. It, it's almost like it's a, and I call it a nervous stick and not that you do it when you're nervous, but it's just a. It's hard to describe. It's it. I. It's like it's not a genuine laugh. It's not like he's laughing because he's he's being humored. It's it's like a nervous tick. And I just thought, and you see that a lot. Him do that in this movie. And again, I don't think he's doing it because he's nervous in the movie. I think he was doing it because that was what this particular character called for. He was in. He was in a very uncomfortable situation. He was a fish out of water, and. You know, and, and it literally was. You saw that in the very, uh, like one of the opening scenes is when you know he gets confronted by uh, the Ice Queen. Oh, I'm sorry, by Barbara Hershey, and you know where she's like literally interrogating him on the steps of the school, and you could just see where he's like caught off guard, and it's just that little. It's almost like he's trying to chuckle and laugh to like disarm her or to make him or I don't know. It's weird. It's just something I really noticed. Because it seemed like he did it a lot in the movie, so anyway, just that was just you know my observation. The thing that I like about Gene Hackman is that he just seems like a very genuine actor. He's just so believable in his roles, you know. And yeah, he's over, you know. There's times in this movie he's like over the top, but he's over the top for the role. And uh, and and you do when you're sitting there watching, you're like you believe he's a coach i mean you don't you actually start believing that this is the coach this isn't gene hackman playing a coach this is a coach that looks like gene hackman and i just think that's a really great testament to him also um a a testament to this movie is are the other actors who many went on to do really nothing else and when they were um um screening for actors their their goal was to find basketball players who could act instead of actors who could maybe play basketball. And so, you know, they they were able to find some some really natural talent. And and Steve, you pointed out, you know, what you would think, you know, down home farm boys would look like who mm-hmm. played basketball. Yeah. And, you know, because these guys just I mean, they they, they don't look like superheroes, they just look like young guys, and I think you pointed out to me that I mean all of these guys were were high school age, right? Yeah, pretty much. I looked at it, the ages. I mean, I think the oldest one was the guy that played Jimmy Chitwood or Chipwood. He was, I think, like twenty three, but you know, good lord, I mean, he looked like he was maybe nineteen. But it, what I'm getting at is that they were un, and maybe that was it because they were unknowns. What I liked about it is that they weren't putting, you know, thirty-year-olds in these roles. I mean, it wasn't like Twenty-One yeah. Jump Street. You know, it's like, hey, let's get this one. He's, you know, because you do. You got a lot of these baby faces in there. I mean, you didn't have a guy like, you know, Tatum Channing out there playing. It's like, no, the dude's in his mid-thirties. He's not going to pass. You're trying, you know, yeah. you're trying to pass Hollywood these guys. Has a bad track record of casting high school students. Yeah, and and that's yeah. just it. They. um they actually got, I think, pretty much high school kids or maybe very early 20s. 
Uh, I'd, I'd have to go dig through and look at, you know, ages and that. But I think uh, the guy that played uh, 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 Chipwood, I think he was like, he was born in 63. So he would have been definitely in his um, very early, excuse me, very early 20s. Well, and the other thing they had was they, they all had that look about them of that lean, lanky, you know, none of this muscular build because you wouldn't look like that in the 1950s. These guys yeah. all had that clean cut, lanky, you know, and the costuming, the hairstyles, we can get into that. That that stuff was spot on. But but they their physical appearance was right, too, for the period of time. These guys were stringy. Right. And, Lean and, and stringy. And yeah, was, I've got I've got a bunch of pictures of my dad's, you know, basketball games down in my basement and you know, same era. You know, like forty eight to fifty one is when he was playing heavy. And say I mean, you you could pull out those pictures and, and same look, same feel. They did an excellent job of capturing that. Well, and we mentioned that. We talked about one thing that this movie did a very excellent job of was ca- capturing that period. I think there's few movies that I think do it as well as it did. And um, they did a as good of a job, I think, as they could of with uh, costuming and and authentic era pieces. I mean, uh, they they even um, they try to make everything look as authentic as you could. If you look close, you can always find discrepancies in costumes and you know things like oh well, I can see where the lines have been sanded away and they could repaint the lines in a, a different place their effort and this is where you have to give this movie so much credit is their effort to make this look real and authentic um, I, I think it's one of the reasons that people who have seen this movie really enjoy it because it's, it's almost like a time capsule it's really taking you back and, and you're Really surprised to think that a movie in you know the the mid '80s can really do such a good job of taking you back 30 years. It really feels like you're watching something that happened in the 1950s, right? Uh, and the the cinematography for as low budget of a movie as this is, this is only shot on a six million dollar budget. It could have been you know a Sunday afternoon TV special type of shooting, but it wasn't. And it's to your, I think your point. That the, the the way that there was a lot of care in shooting this movie and um, and there's a, I mean I can only imagine the challenges of trying to shoot this basketball movie and that's why I think there's a lot of slow mo photography in this because you're trying to slow down a fast paced game and strangely I like to hear what you guys think about this slowing the movie down actually to me increases the the tension of the movie oh by all means yeah good point jeff and and i think we need to kind of talk about that because that was one of the big deals about this movie is that these guys you know prior to gene hackman's character uh norman um shit i almost said norman bates that's not norman bates (laughs) (laughs) i almost said coach norman dale thank you Yes, the team won because all the opposing teams mysteriously died. Die. Mother, they mother, mother, you'll be happy to know what I did. Mother, it's time for your bath. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Coach Norman Dale, he's got a very – I mean, he's teaching these guys. Literally, it was like a college thing, and it's its a lot how you – you know, teach today. It's you're you're doing calisthenics. You're doing a, you're doing a lot of everything except shooting the ball. Well, and, he even says at one point, "My job's to break them. I've got to break them down." Yeah. 
that just gets him crossways with everybody who knows how to coach because everybody in that town knows how to coach. Real quick, I just got to say real quick, and then I'll shut up on this. I, I had not seen the movie in a while, and we get down to the final game. There were a couple scenes where I even kind of pumped my fist. I'm like, wait a minute, it's a movie. But they yep. did it so well yep. that you get into the game. You get into the game. You forget it's a movie. That's a really good point to make, Mark. You're you're watching these games, and it you you actually feel like you're watching a real game. That's a that's a really good point. Um, I I will just fully admit, folks, I am not a rabid basketball fan. I mean, I watch, um, you know, obviously when. You know, when college basketball is out there, I'll watch it, and I, you know, I get my bracket out, and I just kind of, you know, throw a dart at the board and and guess as best I can. But um, this this movie, if if you're not a basketball fan, you could watch this movie; you'll become one. You know, this movie has a lot of character, and those gyms you were talking about. I mean, when you think of you know basketball courts, um, <clears throat> a lot of times we think of you know college basketball courts, and you know, we're doing this kind of in um, honor of the uh, final or the, uh, the the tournament that's getting ready to start. Even though this, I mean, this is, co- this is high school basketball around the country. High school basketballs are getting ready to start their tournaments too. Um, but those small gyms, um, which you don't really see much anymore, you know, like you know the one that Ken's dad played on. Um, you know, those those schools have been shut down, and you know the the mega schools have been built after consolidations and such um, you don't have these small gymnasiums anymore and like you said mark and steve and i'd like to hear ken kind of give some input here into you know his experience on his courts they gave it us this a small town movie feel and and the one of the greatest scenes in a movie is when they make the final tournament and they walk into hinkle field house Yep. And they yes. look around and and you and you realize that you've been sitting here watching this movie and you've seen all these small gyms they've been playing in. And then they walk into Hinkle Field House and you get the look. There's some great photography that goes on here, too. You get the look of them looking around and seeing how immense this place is. And and they 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 get out. the You know, the coach has has such awareness on what is going to happen. He, he has them get out tape measure and start measuring things. They measure the free throw line to the rim, you know, from the floor to the, uh, to the rim. And, you know, and he says, this basketball court is just like all the other ones. There's nothing different here. And yeah, it is one of my favorite such, yep. such a powerful scene. Um, it still gives me chills every time I watch it. And good point because it's he kind of makes that comment when he was talking to the press. He says, uh, you know, he's talking about the size of uh, you know his guys versus the size of the guys that he's going up against. And you know, his comment he goes, you know, I my guys come from a town where <laughs> anything more than two stories is a skyscraper. So you know, when they go to <laughs> when they go to Hinkle, they're the, you know the size of the other team is the least of my concerns. Because he's he, mm-hmm. that was, and he knew that because they do when they walk in there, it's like you know, it, it's kind of like that scene from Gladiator when they get out and they see the Colosseum, and it's like I didn't know men can build these things. You know, they they're just blown away by it. Which and at the well, time, and even, and even Gene Hackman quietly whispers to the other yeah. who's assistant coach, "This place is pretty big." Yeah, he's even. Yeah, he's not gonna let them know, but he's even kind of blown away because at the time it was built, it was the biggest one in the country. 
Yeah. So yeah. It's, well, it's still uh, being, and to this day, it's still being used. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. It's still perfectly good. Oh, no, yeah. Uh, lest the listeners get the idea that this is a movie that takes place all in claustrophobic interiors, it really doesn't. There's a lot of interior shots, and they seek out nice places. Like, uh, I thought the scenes that were shot in the school were pretty neat. I mean, that school had some character. Kind of small, kind of cramped, but that's the way schools were back in those days. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I went to a school like that. But there's also a lot of nice, wide-open exterior shots. I mean, some yeah. just... Uh, you know, some just, you know, landscapes to pass the time when you're driving around, but others, you know, people out, you know, they're out in the, out, out in the open, they're having conversations, they're working, they're, you know, going here and there. So it's not like you're all cooped up. I mean, it's, and it, it, it pays a little, again, I, I'm, I'm a city guy, but, you know, I'm out in the countryside a lot. You know, my work takes me out there and I, I really enjoyed the fact that this, this movie sort of lingered on the landscapes because, now, Indiana is not like the most scenic place in the world, but there's some nice scenery out there, and they did a good job of finding some and uh, highlighting it. But, you know, the other thing I love, and it always just kind of makes me nostalgic and homesick, is there's something about Indiana in the fall when the corn's down. Oh, yeah. The, it, it's just I, – I love those fall and early winter scenes. It's just there's something about that state in in, in the fall, and it's it just – I was watching that, and I thought, God, that I, I love that period of time in, in Indiana. And it's just such a pretty country at that time of year. They Actually, a thing I also enjoyed is the action in this movie is taking place from the start of school until, you know, March or April. And they pretty much filmed it, from what I can tell, in that time frame. It's not like a movie where, you know, they have to put fake snow down or something. And you can right. tell it's summertime and they're sweating in their coats. I mean, these guys, they need to have those jackets on. Oh yeah, those those fall and winter gray days in Indiana are very authentic. <laughs> guys, I'm just curious because we talked a little bit about you know Dennis Hopper and Gene Hackman. What do you guys think of Barbara Hershey? And I, and not her as an actress because to be honest with you, I couldn't tell you if I ever saw her in anything else other than this movie. It, it seemed like from the minute you know she stepped on screen, I hated her character and I didn't like her even at the end. Well, D- if I may jump in, please, please. Barbara Hershey is a. I think she's a very good actress. She's done a lot of good work. Uh, in this movie, she's sort of hamstrung by the fact that her her character starts out kind of a, kind of a bitch, and I mean she warms up as the movie goes on. But I mean she, but I, but I'll, I'll, again, I'm going to give the writers credit. They're using her as a stand-in for a lot of the, you know cultural insularity that you know this guy's running into he's not from there she is you know it's that small town clannishness and he's the outsider and so he's running up against that with everybody but running up against it with her but she does turn around uh i'm sure we'll talk about more but uh, i'm not going to say that her character wasn't uh well, we're going to talk about the Liv tyler role and <laughs> well i'm sure this will be hotly i don't know if it would be debated but you know, I will say that I think Barbara Hershey is a, a very good actress. She's out there. She's doing a lot of good work, and she's still working to this day. So uh, I think she does a fine job in the role, but she's playing an unlikable character, at least a character. Your first impression is not a good impression, but it's also that's what Gene Hackman's getting the whole – pretty much he gets a bad first impression with everybody in this town. 
I'm going to guess another reason that um, you guys probably were a little lukewarm on her, and I, I'd like to hear what Mark thought. I'm going to throw out um, um, a term that we like to use every now and then. I'm going to guess it's because she is completely irrelevant. Yes. They could have put anybody in there. They, they could have taken the role out. Yeah, I mean, they could have had someone saying, you know, we the whole Jimmy Chitwood issue, anybody could have done that. They could have had the mom or somebody, dad just died. There, this was, there was no driving force to have her in there. And any romantic issue, that was dealt with in like 30 seconds. I'm like you, Jeff. If she had not been in that movie, it would have not meant anything different to the movie. Yeah, I, I agree. Had she not been in there, because even that whole scene where they kind of warm up to each other, you know, I, you know, that one it scene felt where force. It, it felt force. It, 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 it did. It was just like you know when, <laughs> you know, when he reached. I'm out supposed and... to kiss you now. It reminded <laughs> me of the scene in in that the great scene in one of the Serenity episodes where Mal says, "I must take you to Zoe," you know, and they're well, sir, if you must, it's your duty. You know, and they're both like, oh, "I really have to kiss you," but you're wait, uh, awkward, bad. I'm kissing my sister. Yeah. It, yeah, it was just really, what? Looked like he was kissing a cold fish. And there was just no, yeah, I well, mean. at they, one point I, I said to the TV, or I was watching, I'm like, I'm betting that I'm saying, I'm yelling as if I'm the director. Now you kiss him back. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And again, it, it doesn't take anything away from the movie. But it doesn't add anything to it. And what's nice about it, it's it, it's literally done and over in like, you know, a minute. You know, again, doesn't take away from the movie, doesn't add anything. If anything, all it does is it just adds another element of... Well, just more of the hostility he had to deal with. Yes, thank you. That's what I was I mean, trying it, to say. I mean, she was, the, she was the venue to pummel him with repeated personal insults and all. But well, there were a lot of people who could have done that just as well. Well, and, and there's there were a lot of people. A couple of did. them in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. They could. They could have. I mean, they could have made this movie without her, and it would have been a fine movie. But you know, we all know why she's there. So. Well, and yeah, he makes a really good part, and this is like right off in the beginning of the movie, and I I don't believe I got the clip because uh, this isn't one of those clip fest type movies. But he, he makes that comment. He says, you know, boy, if everybody around here is as nice as you, it's going to give country <laughs> hospitality a bad name. <laughs> you yeah, know, he, he just, posted right up. Yeah, he sure did because she – and then she got that, well, I do declare look on her face. <laughs> you know, he just like walked away, and I'm like, good for you. Yeah, she may yeah, be she- – she may be good looking and everything, but you don't take no shit, boy. <laughs> yeah, she got that social justice warrior indignant. Wait a minute. Yeah. Don't you understand the rule? No. <laughs> no, and that's just it. He doesn't understand the rules, and by God, he's not going to follow him either. He is the coach of the team, and he's setting the rules. And, and the nice thing about that is, is that he does get – support from the town because there are people in there and that was i thought that one that one scene uh remember when the two guys walked off the team they're like you know screw you coach we quit i'm gonna talk about that all right go ahead ken because i you're probably gonna go the same place i was and i've been talking enough now when you're gonna ask what were your favorite scenes that is a favorite scene of mine in this movie and you know not to go deep into it but you know you've got this phenomenon where you know he's just trying to break these kids into his style of playing. He's coaching them and having them run through the drills. And you got these basically old town guys who are reliving their past and trying to like, you know, be junior coaches coming in, 
essentially watching so they can give him grief. And the day before, a couple of the players didn't like his style and they quit. And just in the middle where these guys are starting to uh, give the coach some flack, in walks, uh, what's it? Last name was Butcher. Yeah. Uh, the player, you know, the son and the dad. He reminded, I can't think of uh, the guy, there's a character actor that I thought he was at first, but he's not. He was in, the character actor is the guy that played the lead, the, the, the head of the good old boys and Blues Brothers. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, but anyways, it's just one of these scenes where, you know, this is a man, an upright guy, and he, he's, like you say, Steve, it's not like everybody in the town's fighting him. He's, he's doing the right thing. And he comes in, his son's all hanged down and shuffling in. The dad just sort of says, you know, you, you men, quiet for a minute. I've got something to say. And it's like, okay, son, tell him. And the son's going, like, oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have quit. You know, I think you guys know where I'm talking about. You can envision the conversation that went on at the house the night before. <laughs> right? Yep. Yeah, you know, because I think we've all been. Home, I think we've well, been Dad, on. I quit the basketball team. And it's like, you what? Yeah. <laughs> You're no. going to march right back down there tomorrow. You are going to apologize to that coach, yeah. and you are going to ask to get back on that team. And it was a perfect example of that, and it set the tone because it all it, it made you see this is a different, slightly different era. But you know, the coach had backers. Mister Butcher wasn't backing him because he thought that that was the you know best strategy to win the game. It was because this is about young, young men and their development and their values, and this is the right thing to do. And it's wrong for people to mess around with the coach. That's his job. I'll let him do his job. And I just thought that was a very effective scene. Yep. Yeah, right. he was the one guy throughout the movie who was always beside him, just quietly. Yeah, he was the assistant coach. He was one of yep. the assistants, you know, helping them yes. out. So, guys, there's one other person I want to mention in, in this movie. And I, I liked her. She, she wasn't in there very much, but it was um, Barbara Hershey's mom. And, and that was Opal Fleener. And uh, the actress is Fern Parsons, or I'm sorry, Fern Persons. And uh, she was actually born next door in Chicago, Illinois. She passed away just not too long ago in 2012. She was 101. Wow. Wow. Which I was amazed because she looked like she was about 101 in this movie. She's, she's a strong woman character. But she was, and I liked her. She, uh, that she had a, you know, she had a spunkiness about her and, uh, I kept waiting for her to just, you know, slap the crap out of Barbara Hershey at some point and say, you know, snap out of it and start being nice to this man. And that was Myra Fleener. And, and, and there were great names here. You had Opal, Cletus, uh, Rooster. I mean, you had some awesome names. Hey, hey i got to jump in. Cletus. Cletus Summers was the school principal, and part for part of the movie, he was the assistant coach. That was Sheb Woolley. Yep. And for those of you that don't know Sheb Woolley, he's a you know, very accomplished actor. He was in High Noon. He was in The Outlaw Josie Wales, which yep. he reviewed. Yep. And uh, he's famous for his song, The Flying Purple People Eater. Is that him? Yes. Holy shit. I had no idea. I think everybody knows that song. At least people yeah. our age do. Oh, my God. Well, you know what? I'll have to get a get a clip of it and throw it on YouTube or throw it on YouTube and throw it on the Facebook page. Oh my God. Cause I don't think I've heard that song since I was a kid. It was a major hit. It was a major hit. I had no idea that was him. That, yeah, it's him. That, put, that puts things in a whole new perspective. Doesn't it? 
Oh my gosh. All right, guys, we talked about scenes, plots, actors. One thing I think that we do need to talk about, and we did mention it briefly is, excuse me, the soundtrack of this movie. And my gosh, I, it's really kind of hard to describe, but it is uh, fantastic is, is basically the way I can describe it. It really fit the scenes. You know, some of the low-key music, kind of like, you know, when you see him going through the fields or driving around and stuff like that, it, it was very Americana. That's about as close as I, it, I mean, think of Ro- Norman Rockwell on music, and that, that's what this is. It's, it's fantastic. This, the music was done by Jerry Goldsmith, and the, the thing that impressed me is it truly shows the range that Jerry Goldsmith has. Yes. Yeah, and it was nominated for an Academy Award. How yes, it should have, yeah. because yeah, we'll have to – we could look up and see who won the awards for those. But, I mean, it really – the movie is nothing without the music. I mean, the music helps make this movie. It's it, it, This movie would not be the same without the music. And Jared Goldsmith, who is just such an accomplished um, composer for um, movie music, it sells the trifecta of the movie. Yeah, because it's got some very low-key, almost mood, atmospheric-type music when you're kind of in the wintertime looking out at the fields. Um, and con- you know, There's some quiet scenes. And then the basketball music. Just I think um, CBS, whoever does March Madness, at one time they were using some of this music, and rightly so because there's something so emotional and energetic that it gets you up to cheer kind of music. Yes. And it's it's not like that gladiator style, which I love that music, but right. it, it's got this it's got this exuberance about it. Yeah, it, it's really you're right, Jeff. It, without that music, this movie really would have not been it wouldn't it wouldn't have been the same thing. It is I mean it just really is and just a, such a compliment to this movie. And I mean really it it does well. There is and as Marks are, as Steve said, I think, and I loved how he put it. It was, um, you know, Americana music. Uh, guys, let us move on to, uh, we're done with that stuff. Let's move on to, oh, you know what I want to do real quick uh, is some clips because, or not clips, trivia. Because the trivia in this, I think, uh, has some items in there that do need to be referenced. And there's not that much of it, so we're just going <clears> to <throat> go on. I like this one uh, for the scene where Dennis Hopper walks onto the court drunk in the middle of the game. Uh, Hopper wanted a 10-second notice before calling action. At the 10-second notice, he spun around in circles until action was called, allowing him to stagger under the court in an awkward fashion. So he looked drunk. <laughs> uh, let's see. The scene with Jimmy and Coach Dale talking with Jimmy uh, while he's shooting baskets was filmed in one take. Uh, the actor, whose name is Maris Valinas. Um, Bless you. I don't know if he's uh, from the first cohort of the uh, Felix Legions or, or not, but that's his name. I think that's Lithuanian, actually, but that's just me. And, well, but he said uh, when he – I'm sorry. I'm just going to back up. Maris Valinas said that he wasn't even listening to him. I was just concentrating on making them, and I uh, made one, and they kept going in. Uh, the actual game was played between the Milan Indians and the Muncie Central My, Bear- Milan, Milan, oh, Milan, Milan, God. Milan. <laughs> this tantamount to you, sir. <laughs> thinking we should have class basketball. Oh my God! <laughs> it's a, what? Have you never been to Milan, Indiana? Yeah, really? Actually, I I will confess I have not. You've all been. Oh yeah. Yes. 
Metamora yeah. is not far from there. Yeah. yeah I, uh, my, when I had my car totaled a couple of years ago, the, uh, the, it got towed to a place in Milan and I had to hang out at the Milan Dairy Queen to get my, waiting for my sister to come pick me up. But when she came to pick me up, what she wanted to do is get her picture taken at the gigantic sign at the edge of town where they proudly proclaimed that they were the 1954 champs. Because it is famous. It's a landmark. And, and if you go to the, the local restaurant there, the local restaurant, it is just packed with memorabilia from that time period. The food is yeah. really good. But, Steve, you, as a as a lifelong Hoosier. He's <laughs> a region rat. I'm a region rat. We're, well, we're different. I know you're a region rat, but, you're, damn it, you're still a Hoosier, okay? Oh Born God. and raised, lived here. You, sir need to make the 40-minute drive over to Milan, Indiana, and and just and, and, and make the pilgrimage, sir. So do I. <laughs> do I. Or, or at least go to Broad Ripple and have a burger at Plum Slash Shop. Plum slash shop. <laughs> those, are pretty good, those are pretty good burgers, too. Yeah, they are. Right. Hold on. Not, that's not Milan. Um, is that – Milan Booker. Um, I, I was waiting. I was waiting I all freaking day. It, I, that came forever. I know. Okay, so okay, so the the significance of Plump's last shot. We we mentioned it. It's a restaurant yep. in this place called Broad Ripple, which is basically in Indianapolis. But Bobby Plump is one of the characters in the movie. is based on Bobby Plump, uh, who played for Milan um, in the championship uh, season. And Bobby Plump had gone on to play for Butler. He had played in uh, one of the um, the semi-pro leagues after college. But he is the guy that that won the the, the that made the last shot in the game of the championship to put Milan uh, to give them the state victory. He, his name is not mentioned in the movie, but the the character Jimmy is based off of him. Bobby Plump has. Um, Gone on to a lot of success here in Indiana for at different different stages in his life, and Plum's Last Shot is actually a, a um, was a bar that is owned by him or at least started by him, and um, and is uh, is apparently a, a very good establishment. Well, anyway, the um, where was I? Oh, the actual game was played between the Milan Milan Indians <laughs> and the and the Muncie. No relation. You got that. You got that right. No relation. No relation. <laughs> Central Bearcats. Okay, for the movie, the South Central Bears were the opponent. The, the South tr- Bend. Central I'm sorry, Bears. the South Bend. No, it's, my God, that's from the region, Steve. God damn it! I'm trying to. Re- you know what? I'm, I am fucking done with all of you guys. For the movie, the South Bend Central Bears. And by the way, South Bend yeah, is cool. not the region. I'm just going to make that real freaking clear right now. All right. For the movie, the South Bend Central Bears were the opponent. Dr. Thunder of the region. You know what? We have spent so much time on this one piece of trivia, I give up on it because it's not that good. (laughs) (laughs) I want the trivia. You know what? You know, folks, if you want to know what I was trying to trying to read it's number three on the imdb trivia so read it yourselves all right and the locker room before the final game on the blackboard are the last names of the players of the opposing team these are the real last names of the actors who make up the hickory team i love that trivia yep that's awesome now here's a here's what's here's interesting guys an actual mylan indian guard ray Kraft was in the movie 
Uh, Kraft was the person that greeted the uh, Huskers, the Hickory Huskers, when they got to the state finals, and he also was the one that told Coach Dale, not Coach Bates, that it was time to take the court before the state final. So there you go. Uh, where is it? I, there's a really cool one in here. Um, oh, where the heck would it go? Crap. I, it was really neat because I wanted to read it, and I thought it was really interesting. Oh, here we go. Uh, the filmmakers had trouble filling the field house, uh, the Hinkle Field House, with extras for the final game and needed to move people around when shooting different angles. Extras were given 1950s hairstyles and their clothing was checked for anachronisms. Well, there you go, folks. There's, there's I mo- got one more for you. All right. Gene Hackman in, was not sold on this movie. He, he took the $400,000 pay, which was below his rate, and he and Anspa early on did not get along. He finally came around, but there's a scene during the montage of basketball games, and in one of the shots you see Coach Dale and Shooter on the bench. You see Dale saying something to Shooter who laughs and puts his head down. Remember that scene? Yeah. And you're wondering, what are they saying? Because they're because the team's winning and the basketball game's going on and something's said. Many years after the film, Anspa learned, that's the director, what they found so funny. Hackman had said, Hopper, I hope you've invested well because you and I are never going to work after this movie. This is a career-ending film for both of us. <laughs> wow. Are you serious? Wow. Yeah, he did not think this. He thought this movie was going to just tank and tank badly. That's interesting. Oh, That's interesting. Yeah. Huh. But, yeah, he didn't think. He thought this was going to be an, a disaster for their careers. You know, yeah. and we didn't mention Dennis Hopper, who I think does an outstanding job in this movie, and he's a quirky actor. He got nominated also. This movie picked up two very solid nominations yep. for Academy Awards in the music and as Best Supporting Actor. Dennis Hopper got the Best Supporting Actor not in the nomination. He didn't win it. But he did a very good job in this movie. Yeah, I agree. He, he really did. All right. So there you go, folks. That's, that's the trivia. So now it is time to move on to Brother Whatcha Drinking. And Jeff, kick it off. Okay. Well, tonight, I was trying to find a, a drink that was very apropos for this movie, and aside from the Who's Your Mama Stout, which I didn't want to go grab, I got the Who's Your Daddy, a crimson and cream ale. Uh, this is made, this is a uh, the new New Albion Brewing Company. This is a, uh, well, as the name implies, it's a, a crimson and cream ale. This is probably one of the prettiest beers I have ever poured. Porn, poured. It, is, it has a very nice red look to it, and then the foam or the head looks it looks crimson. I mean, it is almost picturesque. And um, one of the cool things about the bottle is it tells you basically what the ingredients are. It tells you what kind of hops are in here, and it tells you the malts, um, the yeast they use, um, and the and the type of sugar. Um, so if you get you know if you want to try to recreate it, they they kind of give you a guide for how to do it. Um, I don't know what the AVB is on it. I don't think it's very high, but um, it is uh, it's it's pretty tasty. It's pretty smooth going down, but on the back end, it's got a little bit of a bite to it. Um, it's not too hoppy. It's a pretty mellow beer with a little bit of a kick at the end, just a little bite, but it doesn't linger too long and um i gotta say i'll be happy to grab one of these again nice mark what do you got 
you know, trying to stay with the whole Hoosier thing. The beer I'm going to review, I had reviewed this, I don't know, about eight, six, eight months ago, and it was not, it was not great. It was not bad. It was not great. So I sat it back and let it age. It's Triton Brewing's Dead Ice Stout. Yep. Yeah. And I let it sit. Okay. And like I said, for six months, I let these things sit in my fridge, and I cracked one open. Oh, my freaking gosh. This is an awesome, oh, this is an awesome, full-bodied, terrific stout. The first time I tried that at Brew Burger about four or five years ago, it was amazing. Just freaking amazing. Yeah, well, I know what you mean. And then they changed the recipe, and it was like, ugh, and um but I'm glad uh glad to hear that if you let it sit for a while and age, it may get a little bit better. It is it is outstanding because I was like you. I thought, Oh, Triton, dead iced out and I was like, Ah. So I threw a couple in the fridge, let them age, like I said, six months. And they've they've actually become a terrific stout. But I don't know if you want to wait that long. I just happen to have them and it's like, Oh, I got room in my fridge. Uh what are you right. drinking? Well, let's see. I actually I got two beers because it's an Indiana movie. I just grabbed a Sun King that I had in the fridge, uh, just knocking back one of the Wee Max, you know, one of the Scottish ales. <laughs> because of his long, sir. Yeah, because of his Scottish as crap. But uh, don't worry, Mark. I am not going to play the music, so you don't. Have, you can put the headphones back on. So anyway, I decided to pick this one up and because it looked good. I'm drinking a Rogue, a Rogue beer, and this is the uh, Mom Hefeweizen Ale Brewed oh. with Rose Petals. And I have to say, guys, it's, it's pretty good. It's going down very nice. One thing I like about the Rogue beers that they're putting out now with the, uh, uh, the pints or the pint bottles, they have a pairing picture on there, and mine has a fish and spicy food. So evidently this mm. would go with uh, seafood and... Um, I don't know anything that's got red pepper in it, I guess. So I looked at that beer and put it back because I wasn't sure oh, you'll what that it. would be like. Yeah, you'll like it. It's good. I like it. Is it a banana kind of half of Eisen? Is it more of a dunkel or is it no, um, no banana. straight up half a? Straight up half a. There is no banana in this at all. So um, okay. the Bavarians had nothing to do with this one. So now you know what um, the three amigos here are drinking. Now D'Artagnan is up. It's now time for Catching Up with Ken. All right, Ken, what do you got? Well, probably the highlight of my week uh, in terms of unusual stuff is I I had a friend of mine uh, took me out to dinner at a new restaurant down on Mass Ave. It's a French cafe-style restaurant opened up by a French couple called Corruption et Bidivieux. I mean, I'll, I'll put in a plug for it. It's, uh, uh, she had beef bourguignon, and I had a, a brevet, which is a thin-sliced uh, filet and frites. Then we split a apple crepe for dessert, and so that was probably the highlight. I also did patronize the other night my local brew pub, a Black Acre. Places hopping. I like them. I like to support them. I don't support them enough. Blackacre does put out a good product. I've drunk their beer many a time. Um, and I'm drinking a vanilla vodka diet coke right at this moment, as you probably guessed. All right. Well, there you go, folks. That is it with uh, Brother What You're Drinking and Catching Up with Ken. Uh, let's see. It's now time to move on to Clips, one of our favorite parts of the show. And if I, I could 
stop moving my thing around, I could find my clips and we'd probably be done with this why, thing. Why around. are you moving your thing around? Well, it's I mean, that's not polite. It well, when you get when when you get to a certain age, Ken, it just. Sometimes, I understand. Sometimes it moves on its own, and sometimes it needs some help. So uh, uh, okay. <laughs> we're, we're done. We're done. <laughs> All right. Okay, folks, here we go. Here's clips. Uh, number one. We trust that you're a fine, upstanding, God-fearing man with Christian morals and principles who will, will set an example and a standard of leadership for our boys. Tell me, do you believe in man-to-man or zone defense? <laughs> See, you got yeah. you hear a little bit of that like nervous chuckle. You know what I'm talking about? But I just like that whole thing. He starts going, and you're like, okay, here we go with the whole Bible thumping thing, and then it's like, okay, now down to real business. <laughs> I just right. I thought that was awesome. I like it. All right, number two. First of all, let's be real friendly here, okay? My name is Norm. Secondly, your coaching days are over. Oh gosh, we forgot to talk about Chelsea Ross. You've seen this guy in tons of movies, and he plays pretty much the same exact type person in every movie he's in. Wasn't he in? We he was in a movie we reviewed once before, wasn't he? In Major League, as the pitcher. Yes, he was the pitcher. Yeah, Jobu yep. <laughs> was a Serato. Yep, Jobu needs more Joe rum. <laughs> yeah, always plays that smarmy, yeah. jackassy, yeah. as as Jeff would say, douchebag kind yeah. of role. <laughs> Yes, I would. Actually, he pretty much defines douchebag. So, yeah. And actually, speaking of uh, Chelsea, this is him here. Scrub your tired old bones in here. He must owe you something fierce. Fact is, Mister, you start screwing up this team, I'll personally hide strap your ass to a pine rail and send you up the moon online. Leave the ball, will you, George? I've been the mode on. You don't want to get sent there. No, especially with your ass strapped to a pine rail. Uh, let's see. This is uh, here was Dennis Hopper. Wilbur Shooter flights. This is Norman Dale, our new coach. How are you, coach? Cleachy, tell him. Sectionals at thirty-three. One point down. Five, four, three, two, one. Let her fly. In and out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> his moment of glory yeah i just like with that <clears throat> yeah anyway yeah all right uh next you know a basketball hero around here is treated like a god i mean how can you ever find out what he could really do i don't want this to be the high point of his life i've seen him the real sad ones they sit around the rest of their lives talking about the glory days when they were 17 years old you know most people would kill be treated like a god just for a few moments and that i think that's a great bit he gave her her shot and he's not going to take it anymore she doesn't get it she doesn't get it about small town basketball that sometimes this is all these people get they're not going to college they're going to go work in the feed store Mm. and if they have their moment they're going to that's their moment yeah but i can understand where she's coming from too well, but not in this case. Yeah, and get, it, this is not nineteen. This is not nineteen seventy-eight when kids are going to college. This is nineteen fifty-one. Most of these kids, this is it. Yeah, true. I mean, yeah. I mean, her idea of well, gosh, you know, they could go off to college. 
you didn't go off to college then. Hell, a lot of them even in the 70s weren't running off to college. You didn't see that big influx of, of people really rushing there like you do now. You know, because even up into the 70s, I mean, you get a job in a factory or a steel mill or whatever. And again, this is a farming community. Every one of these guys were basically going to take over their parents' farms. You didn't have this idea you were going to go to college. All right, uh, let's see. Next one. I know men like you. You don't know anything about me. I know you're here. I know this, this place doesn't even appear on most state maps. A man your age comes to a place like this, he's either... He's running away from something or he has nowhere else to go. What I'm doing here has nothing to do with you. Just stay away from Jimmy. I don't want him coaching in Hickory when he's 50. Oh, see, I, I, I literally would have just wanted to push her over the stairwell and hear a Wilhelm scream because, man. <laughs> I just, yeah, I mean, I just, I'm like, really, lady? Come on. Oh, anyway, all right. All right, this is uh, number seven, and I call this angry. I think this is Gene Hackman doing his angry acting, and he does it very well. Guys, remember what we worked on in practice, all right? I want to see it on the court. How many times are we going to pass before we shoot? How many? Four. Four. Uh, you know, Don't forget, I, gentlemen, four yeah. before you insult Steve. Yeah, pass that bird around four times. Uh, well, actually. Oh, I yeah. thought I thought you maybe had to take four shots. I mean, I've been doing rum shot and oh. cheesecake shots. <laughs> <laughs> what cheesecake shots? Oh yeah, take a, look, take a look at Facebook. I just posted it. Oh gosh! All right, let's see, uh, Mark. Here's your line. Sun don't shine on the same dog's ass every day, but Mister, you ain't seen a ray of light since you got here. I believe it's time we had a talk. Sunday. Supper. I liked her. She was just fun, you know, to you know to be around. I mean, she just was a great lady. Liked it. Yes. Uh, all right, uh, number nine. I'm sure going to the state finals is beyond your wildest dreams, so let's just keep it right there. Forget about the crowds, the size of the school, their fancy uniforms, and remember what got you here. Focus on the fundamentals that we've gone over time and time again. And most important, don't get caught up thinking about winning or losing this game. If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. It's a long quote, but I I like that one. You know, it's a great quote in the sense of so much has now just been caught up on win at all costs. And we've all seen this with coaches about right. You know, where they don't win and then you guys suck, you're horrible, you didn't do well enough. What he's saying is it's this game's important, but it's beyond the game. It's more than the game. And and the thing of it is, and it goes to show what type of a coach he is in his character, which is and it, it goes back to Barbara Hershey. Of course, she doesn't see that speech, but it completely contradicts what she thinks of him as a person. Right. So well, and it also shows how that team, how those young men have become men. Yes. Through this, through how he is, in some respects, he has molded them, yep. and 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 they get it. 
Can I just make one quick comment here about that? The follow up to that quote is that where the yes. slow the slow clap got started? Because when they started doing that, I think at the time, it's like, oh, that's cool. Now, it it makes me cringe. I can't watch that anymore. Well, this goes what Mark was saying at the start. I mean, I'm not going to say this movie totally originated that, but there's a lot of, like, sports movie tropes that they just sort of rip it off of this movie. I think it is, and and I think and it's it's just overkill now. It is a trope. It's an annoying one, and I don't ever really remember seeing it in other movies. But like I said, you know, this is this movie's 1986. I mean, I graduated high school, and that was holy Christ. That's going to be 30 years almost for me. I hold on, drink, and um, <laughs> and like I said, I, I don't ever remember that ever being something you saw in movies or that. Whereas now. You're right. It's it's all the time, and it's so annoying. And it literally, when they started doing it, and I had forgotten about that, I literally had like this visceral reaction to that. I'm like, oh my god, they were doing it then. Well, maybe that's when it got started. Who knows? So anyway, just that was my sidebar commentary. Probably the only thing in this movie that I I just it just drove me nuts. But anyway, all right, moving on. This is uh, actually this would be me. How you doing, Dad? <laughs> conquering here i i heard the game right there on that that little philco and uh i heard old, old ollie dribble on his foot and then make that charity shot and, and i i started bawling and they bring they bring the white coats in here and they, they put a jacket on me <laughs> and they put a jacket on me Oh my gosh! It was. I tell you what, he was awesome in this movie. He really kind of steals the movie, and that is one of my favorite scenes because he's just laying it out. Yeah, I was so happy. They, they sent. I love that they sent the white coats in. Oh, love it. So anyway, there you go, folks. Those are the. Those are some of the clips from this movie. All right, so we are done with clips. Um, Ken, top ten movies of nineteen eighty six. All right. Well, before I get into the top 10, I just want to throw out a few little tidbits I discovered in my research. Yes. One that you will appreciate is 1986 is when Arnold Schwarzenegger got married. I thought that was something interesting. Uh, A few movies that came out that year that I kind of enjoyed, or at least we've talked about, are number one was uh, Rodney Dangerfield in Back to School. You know that movie's really funny. <laughs> I'm not oh a god. That's why did I had to mention. Just say that. Yeah, it did. Come on, that's good stuff. Uh, another movie that I think we've all seen, which is sort of an icon, is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yes. Actually, point of parliamentary procedure. My wife absolutely hates that movie. Really? Oh. Well, and I think after that, she cannot actually watch a movie with Matthew Broderick in it. She's like, that kid should have been beaten with reeds or something. She just... What? She She can't even stand the the 1990s Godzilla? With good reason. Hell, even Muncie, I think, draws a line there. I mean... I I have standards. I was going to say, not many. You saw it twice at the theater, didn't you? I think he was giving it a mulligan. I was young at the time, Ken. I... I had my life. I know. I, I know. I went with you once, and you had seen it. 
right, all right. I yes, you're right. Damn it, Ken. That's <laughs> another movie which came out that we reviewed. I didn't review because I wasn't there, but you guys reviewed it. Was Highlander? Oh yeah. Oh my god. Same year, huh? Yeah, that's 1986. But yep. now getting into the top 10, starting at 10 and working my way up. Uh, number 10, Ruthless People. Eh. Yeah. Number 9, The Golden Child. Oh, my God. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see how I made up number 9. I, 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 I want the number <laughs> <laughs> It was a, such an awesomely terrible movie. Oh God, it's so bad. It's it's it's, it's like watching a train wreck. You have to sit and watch it. It's so bad. Number eight, an American Tale. It's a rough rough year for movies, wasn't it? It was a good year for movies. Buck up, boy. Number seven, no one will dispute that this is a great movie. Aliens. Oh, huh? oh, oh yeah. Number six, back to school. <laughs> After I said it wasn't on the list, I, it is on the list. Number five, one we actually discussed in our last podcast, not not in depth, we touched on it. Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home, Save the Whales. Wow. Okay. Even good, odd, bad. It, it's it's I liked it. Uh, number four, The Karate Kid, Part Two. That was a rough movie. The second one? Yes. Uh, uh, try, try all of them. Uh, the first one was all right. Uh, no, it wasn't. Yes, it was. No, it wasn't. It was just fun. Girls. Girls. Number three, Platoon. Oh, oh, okay. I know what the number... Okay. All right. Number... All right. This is... Yes. This is the year of number, Top Gun. Number two, Crocodile Dundee. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I like Crocodile Dundee. And number one, yes, Jeff, you are right. It is Top Gun. Yep. There you go. In yeah. terms of box office, Crocodile Dundee and Top Gun are sort of neck and neck. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Uh, well, there you go, folks. Uh, Jeff Danger Zone Muncie. Uh, <laughs> pull, pull. When are we going to do that movie? <laughs> what, Top Gun? Yeah. yeah. How about Never? Maybe Never? <laughs> Right after Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> oh, God, I don't well, think Crocodile no Dundee deserves treatment. I think. Uh, uh, okay, I'm fine. Sure. I'm not. I'm not sure about that. Um, <laughs> we'll have to get to legal on that. Yeah, we, well, he is he is legal. <laughs> don't put That's legal on it because we'll be watching it. Yeah, yeah. We've got. <laughs> let's see. We've oh, got. You're right. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you can give it to him. God knows what Ken will have us watching. <laughs> I have a yeah, really. taste. He does. Well, Ken, Ken is a man about town. He is. Um, I can tell you what he would have us watch. It would be high risk. I vote for that movie. You know what? Let's do it because I saw it once. I'll watch it again. I remember the first time I saw it, and there was like one funny scene after that. I was waiting for something to really blow my socks off, and it didn't. So, but it's been it's been a while. So I, Ow. I, yeah, <laughs> I think it's about the only movie that really kind of showed that you just can't like hit somebody on the back of the head with a pistol butt and they're going to knock out. Ow. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, I'm the first to admit it's not a great movie. It's actually a no. pretty cheesy movie. It didn't do too well. Actually, yeah. our gaming nights where Ken has uh, you know taken us on a uh, you know high risk uh, adventure um, yep. ha- have been far more entertaining than the movie. Right. But again, that that was like in 1979. That was not 1986. So let's move on. Yes. Go. All right. Yes. Um, so moving on. There you go, folks. There's the top. 10 movies and of 1986 along with Ken's honorable mentions. So it is now time to move on to the Man Cave Movie Review Checklist. Let's see. Number one. Uh, let's see. Did anyone jump through a window? No, but one well, of the players a... crashed through that trophy case. I, and you know what? If there was one person that was going to notice that, I knew it was going to be Ken because of that. <laughs> You can't legal, not notice that. Yeah, legal discerning eye saw that. So, Ken, you're you're legal. I, I'm I'm gonna I'm giving it to him. It's true. Yeah, it was a large sheet of plate glass. Yep, and yep. people crashed through it. Okay, number two. If you want him, come and claim him. Was there a Liv Tyler role in the movie? Yeah. Yeah, I think we kind of established yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I see a dead horse. He's been beaten to death. Yeah. Next one. Was there a uh, was there a Wilhelm scream in this movie? Sadly, no. But I'm telling you, you posting <laughs> that 50 years of Wilhelm screams. If the listeners have not checked that out yet, holy cow, you have got to go see that. And the fact that that was originated from an old western, it just it fulfilled a, a hole in my life. Yep, and I. <laughs> Well, it, it was funny because Jeff goes, he goes, would you say like all the Star Wars movies? It's like, I didn't realize how all many. Of well, them. All of oh. Did you notice the one scene? Do you remember the Star Wars Christmas episode? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Where the stormtrooper goes over the edge and, and Harrison Ford literally looks like he's going to follow him. It's like, oh shit, I'm getting too close yep. to the edge. Oh my God. I was like, that's got to be from the Star Wars Christmas uh, special that George Lucas swears never happened. Swore that that son of a bitch in an interview swore that that never, ever happened. And except it's on YouTube, except it's on YouTube. now. I I know what happened because I remember even as a kid sitting there watching it and after it was over going, what the hell did I just see? I, I remember my, my dad's, eyes. Yeah, my dad surprising me with that, and I, I think even at you know eight, nine years old, whatever I was, I was like, "What the hell?" <laughs> I, mean, uh, I understand why George Lucas didn't want that thing to exist, but he did. Look, it. when you decide to cast B. Arthur in a Star Wars, <laughs> <laughs> that's just right there. B. Arthur, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh god that, that should have been a jump the shark moment if there ever was one but oh uh, right know. there that says george you can never make another star wars movie yeah ever again yep there you go all right so moving on because we completely <laughs> derailed off of that one but i had to throw that out there because when i saw that scene of the stormtrooper going over i'm like what the hell scene was from that and i backed yep. it up i went Oh my God, that was the Star Wars <laughs> Christmas special. I lost it. 
I, after about three or four minutes of that, if you are not rolling on the floor, you oh, don't know what comedy is. Yeah, it's we gr- should review that as a holiday movie. Oh, oh, never, no. never. No. no, we'll do Deep we, we, Blue Sea, King Arthur, <laughs> Zardoz. We're oh we're gonna gosh. get sh- oh that candy. All right, uh, let's see. Moving, moving on. Could the female role be better played by Tanya Katane? I'm going to guess yes. Uh, yeah. So, oh, it doesn't I, need to be the female role in this movie. No, I, well, well, if you're go- if you have to have one, well, I don't know, Barbara. I don't. I wouldn't want to see Tawny playing that kind of a nasty role because I like her. So, all right, uh, let's see next. Was there an 18 montage in this movie? There's a, well, a we, shit ton of montages, weren't there, Steve? Well, we talked about this. Pretty much uh, every basketball game you saw was a montage. And yeah. it's not it's not a bad montage. It's actually done very, very well. And it's done in such a way that you really get into these games. It's a necessary montage. Yes, mm-hmm. they're very necessary. and it's And it's done very well. All right. Last and certainly not least, and I'm pretty much guessing we are not going to surpass last week's uh, number here. And so it begins. Was there a B5 reference in this movie? You are correct. We are not going to surpass, but you may be surprised to find out that there is one connection. It's not a key grip, is it? Well, now, now allow me to develop this. Oh, here we there go. was a um, an extras casting assistant named. Uh, um, now hold on, just wait, wait for it. Uh, Debbie Shively, okay. She was an extras casting assistant for this movie here, and she's done a lot of things. She's done stunts, casting. You know, she's been in various other crew roles. However, she was actually in one episode of Babylon Five. In 1995, um, in the episode Hunter Prey, as an aide. Which one was Hunter Prey? That's the one. Um, oh, a fugitive with secret Earth Force data flees to Babylon 5. Is that the one with the, the doctor? I. Yes, it is. That's where the doctor, it was uh, the president, uh, it's the president's doctor. Oh, yeah. I yeah. know that one. I know that yeah. one. So what's her name? Yep. Her name was is uh, De- uh, Debbie Shively. Debbie Shively. Yes. Yep. And you're she, right. She was in there, and again, she was an extras casting assistant in this movie. So I'm going to call it a connection. <clears throat> so it has been written. So it shall be done. Uh, do you want to hear a really odd connection? I just looked her up here. Her father sure. is Ralph H. Shively, called Whitley. He played Doc Buggins, the team doctor in the film Hoosiers. Well, there you go. Oh, yeah, the guy when the one character he's all cut up and yep. everything. Please. The circle is complete. Well done. You have redeemed yourself. I'm going to give you that one. I'm going to take it. As you should. All right, folks, that is it with uh, the checklist. We are now moving on to the review of this great and fantastic film. Jeff, you haven't reviewed anything in a while. I'll, I'll try it. All I'll right. give it a shot. All right. Hey, thanks, Steve. Um 
you know, this movie here is is very near and dear to not just, uh, I think, Hoosiers, but also, um, you know, small town communities across the nation who are, you know, they're, they are the, the underdogs um, in the more often publicized big cities. And I think a lot of people can relate to this movie. It's a good feel-good movie. It's an underdog movie, um, as uh, Ken and Mark and I think even Steve pointed out. It's a, it's a story about redemption. Um, you know, it's the improbable ability of, uh, of, um, of David rising up and defeating Goliath. These things are, are becoming, you know, fewer and fewer, which quite honestly is what makes them great. A few years ago, uh, one of uh, Mark's alma maters, Butler, made it to the final four, or actually the final game, twice. And, Why? I mean, one of the reasons that it was a big story was you had this small college in Indianapolis. And it was sort of reminiscent of, you know, this mile and run, you know, you had the small, because Butler's a pretty small college and, um, you know, not known for really it's basketball. And, um, you know, it, it was again, David, you know, taking on Goliath, tragically Goliath, you know, you know, barely won, barely won, but, uh, barely won. All along, there were tons of parallels being made between the Butler run and the Milan run. And, you know, both of them had Indiana connections. And, you know, so the story of, the, of, of Milan and, and what it did to this state and the, the legend that it has, um, that, that it is, has really lived on, continues to live on. And it is something that uh, we, we just we won't see again in Indiana since we have class basketball. But the, the movie itself I mean, it's it is it is well organized production value. The story, we, you know, we didn't really talk much about the writing, but when Steve's clips, you heard the 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 writing is just amazing. It's a great lines, great banter back and forth, and all the actors, especially for as novice as they were, I mean, they pull off such convincing roles. It's it's really amazing that this movie really did as well as it did, and, and it turned out the way that it did, which is a true testament to the writers and the, and the director. With that said, and as you guys have all said, you haven't seen this in a while, and after watching it, I mean, you, you guys were very excited about reviewing this movie because, you know, you came away from that just in, in, in good spirits. And I think if you, anybody ever needs a pick-me-up, this is one of those movies you can put in and just feel good afterwards. Um, and I... Uh, I'm actually going to give this movie an eight and a half. Nice. I'm, I'll just jump in before the other guys. Uh, I don't want to step on any toes, but I'm going to go a little bit higher. I'm going to say it's a nine. I, wow. I, 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 for, I forgot how good this movie is, and I've already, uh, I've already got my Blu-ray order in, and uh, it's, it's in the mail because I, I feel remiss uh, as as a Hoosier that you know I've seen it I've seen it a couple times but like I said it was like when it first came out and I saw it again maybe about 15 years ago and I just haven't seen it since because it's not one of those movies that's you know you you see on AMC it's just not on TV all the time I was glad that we did this and it really reminded me of what a, a well done film that this really is and it makes me proud to be a Hoosier yeah I'll go with Jeff and give it an eight and a half and I would say to folks if you're as we get into heading into tourney time and March Madness, if you if you really want to get into that mood, watch this movie. This movie does it all right. It does. It really does. I'll split the difference and say eight point seven five. Of course, he's, that's right. Yeah, of course, he's getting <laughs> he's getting closer to me. 
All right, so that is it for uh, the Man Cave Movie Review, Episode 148. And before I close this out, I just want to say to uh, some of our new listeners and uh, always to our old listeners, all you old faithful guys uh, and gals who have been listening to us uh, from from day one on, although I don't think anyone who was listening was day one, you know, maybe day 300 maybe at that point. But anyway, really appreciate you guys uh, sticking in there and listening with us. We do appreciate it. So anyway, that is it. Episode 148. We're moving on to the big 150. So uh, we're going to have an interesting movie for you next week. But until then, check us out on our website at mancavemoviereview.com and look for us on iTunes at Man Cave Movie Review. Uh, leave us a comment. Tell us if you liked the show or didn't like it. And look for us on Facebook at Man Cave Movie Review. And follow us on Twitter at Man Cave Movie. So until next week, I am your host, Steve Michael, signing off with my very good and dear friend, Mark. How many times are we going to pass this bourbon slower? Michaels, do you have chicken shit in your eyes? Throw me out. Throw me out of the podcast. Are you kidding? What? <laughs> That's ridiculous. Okay, I guess you got your reasons. What? <laughs> now I got to bring it back. <laughs> What the hell? You didn't think I was going to do that. I actually disconnected <laughs> you from Skype. I was like, what? I'm out. <laughs> well played. You're out of here. Oh, but you know what? I disconnected everybody else. Son yeah, of a bitch. You sure did. <laughs> Dumbass. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I meant to click off. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wow. He, he really threw him out. out. He threw us all out. Yeah, I just, you know what? He was the coach of, like, the whole team's ejected. So there you go. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, you know what? That that was actually pretty funny. Well done. <laughs> I thought, you know what? He's not going to see this coming. When I did, I hit the wrong disconnect button, the one that kicked everyone out. So apologies, but there you go. All right. And also saying farewell. And Alvita Zayn is our other good and dear friend. Ken, uh, don't shoot unless you're under the basket by yourself. Rony. Ken. I'm on my knees. <laughs> <laughs> Praying that this podcast will Put a good word in for me, you can. <laughs> well played, Ken. Very well done. Folks, see the movie. You'll know what that was all about. So... And uh, last and certainly not least, saying farewell, adieu, and auf Wiedersehen, is our other good and dear friend, Jeff. God wants you on this podcast, Muncie. If you put your effort and concentration into podcasting to your potential, to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the fanboys say at the end of the podcast. In my book, we're all still going to be dumbasses. <laughs> wow. That's great, Jeff. Thanks. We can always count on you for those uplifting uh, final closings <laughs> of the show that make you know, us feel so good inside of which makes us really want to come back and do another show next week. Thank you know, you, you want to see me when yeah. I'm coaching my team and the, the inspirational words I have at halftime for them. <laughs> it usually sounds like this. If you don't get your asses out there and win this game, I'm going to kick them. <laughs> Jeff, you are the Tony Robbins of podcast motivational speakers. <laughs> All right, folks, that's it with the Man Cave Movie Review, episode 148. Hope you enjoyed this show. God knows we did, and uh, we will be back next week. Until then, ciao.
want you to meet someone. It's Norm Bailey, your coach. I've seen you guys can shoot, but there's more to the game than shooting. There's fundamentals and defense. Uh, the boys and I are, are getting to know each other. See who we are and uh, what we can be. Let's be real clear about what we're after here, alright? It's team, team, team. Five players on the floor functioning as one single unit. Okay? No one more important than the other. I love you guys.